Please open your Bibles this afternoon to 2 Kings 22. 2 Kings 22, as noted in your bulletin in coming months, we hope to begin a series of messages on Ezekiel. And so before we actually begin the book, we plan to spend a few Lord's Days in 2 Kings just to get a better understanding of the, of the times in which Ezekiel grew up and lived and ministered in three or four, I'm not sure yet, three or four sermons we want to study the reign of King Josiah and the reign of Kings Jehoahaz and Jehoiakim and the reign of King Jehoiachin, setting the background for the book of Ezekiel. Second Kings 22. Josiah was eight years old when he became king. He reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jedidah, the daughter of Adiah of Boscath. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in all the ways of his father David. He did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. Now it came to pass in the 18th year of King Josiah that the king sent Shaphan the scribe, the son of Azaliah, the son of Meshulam, to the house of the Lord, saying, Go up to Hilkiah the high priest, that he may count the money which has been brought into the house of the Lord, which the doorkeepers have gathered from the people. And let them deliver it into the hand of those doing the work, who are the overseers in the house of the Lord. Let them give it to those who are in the house of the Lord doing the work, to repair the damages of the house, to carpenters and builders and masons, and to buy timber and hewn stone to repair the house. However, there need be no accounting made with them of the money delivered into their hand because they deal faithfully. Then Hilkiah, the high priest, said to Shaphan, the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan, and he read it. So Shaphan, the scribe, went to the king, bringing the king word, saying, Your servants have gathered the money that was found in the house and have delivered it into the hand of those who do the work, who oversee the house of the Lord. And Shaphan the scribe showed the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. Now it happened, when the king heard the words of the book of the law, that he tore his clothes. And the king commanded Hilkiah the priest, Ahikam, the son of Shaphan, Akbor, the son of Micaiah, Shaphan, the scribe, and Asiah, the servant of the king, saying, Go, inquire of the Lord for me, for the people, and for all Judah, concerning the words of this book that have been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is aroused against us, because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book to do according to all that is written concerning us. So Hilkiah the priest, Ahikam, Akbor, Shaphan, and Asiah went to Huldah the prophetess, the wife of Shalom, the son of Tikvah, the son of Harhas, keeper of the wardrobe. She dwelt in Jerusalem in the second quarter. And they spoke with her, and she said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Tell the man who sent you to me, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will bring calamity on this place and on its inhabitants, all the words of the book which the king of Judah has read, because they have forsaken me and burned incense to other gods, that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands. Therefore my wrath shall be aroused against this place and shall not be quenched. But as for the king of Judah, who sent you to inquire of the Lord, in this manner you shall speak to him. 
Thus says the Lord God of Israel, concerning the words which you have heard, because your heart was tender and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I spoke against this place and against its inhabitants, that they would become a desolation and a curse, and you tore your clothes and wept before, you, before me. I also have heard you, says the Lord. Surely, therefore, I will gather you to your fathers, and you shall be gathered to your grave in peace. And your eyes shall not see all the calamity which I will bring on this place. So they brought back word to the king. So far, the reading of God's holy word. One of the things that I greatly enjoy is the reading of church history. One of the periods I find especially fascinating is the 16th century Reformation. I admire men like Martin Luther, Ulrich Zwingli, John Calvin, and John Knox. I appreciate them because although they were sinners and although they were flawed in many ways, God used them in an extraordinary way to bring Reformation to the church. He gave them understanding of the gospel and courage to proclaim it. He gave them tremendous zeal to contend for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. They stood against the idolatry so prevalent in the church of Rome. They opposed the sale of indulgences and the veneration of images. They opposed the idea that tradition was of equal authority with Scripture. They called the church back to the Word of God, back to salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. They rejected papal authority and directed the church back to the necessity, authority, perspicuity, and sufficiency of Scripture. Through their labors, thousands in Germany, Switzerland, France, Scotland, and surrounding countries were convicted of their sin and the need of repentance. Many thousands forsook their idolatry and submitted to the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, congregation, as the Lord used Luther, Zwingli, Calvin, and Knox to reform the church of the 16th century, in a similar way, he also used King Josiah to reform the church at the end of the 17th century before Christ. Today, from 2 Kings 22, I want us to consider three things. The rediscovery of the law, the reading of the law, and the response to the law. Rediscovery of the law. King Josiah was one of the truly remarkable kings of Judah. In 2 Kings 23, verse 25, you read these words. Now before him there was no king like him who turned to the Lord with all his heart, with all his soul, and with all his might, according to all the law of Moses, nor after him did anyone arise like him. Josiah was truly an exceptional man, a great reformer of Judah. He was concerned about truth, righteousness, and obedience to the will of God. In Josiah, we see so very clearly the sovereign grace of God. The Lord took hold of him in a wonderful way. 
When we consider his life, we marvel at all the great works which he accomplished in the nation. We stand amazed, especially in light of Josiah's upbringing. For you see, Josiah did not have a godly father or grandfather. Look back with me, please, to 2 Kings 21 and verse 19. 2 Kings 21, verse 19. Ammon was 22 years old when he became king, and he reigned two years in Jerusalem. Drop to verse 20. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord as his father Manasseh had done. So he walked in all the ways that his father had walked, and he served the idols that his father had served and worshipped them. He forsook the Lord God of his fathers and did not walk in the way of the Lord. Sad and horrible, tragic words. Ammon was Josiah's father. For the first eight years of his life, Josiah had a very poor example of what a, a king of Judah ought to be. As a child, he saw his father sacrificing to carved images and promoting evil in the nation. And then, consider Josiah's grandfather, Manasseh. Manasseh goes down in history as being one of the most ungodly kings who ever ruled in Judah. He reigned for 55 years in Jerusalem. During that time, he rebuilt the high places, built altars for the Baals, worshipped all the hosts of heaven, and even sacrificed his sons, causing them to pass through the fire in the valley of the son of Hinnom. Manasseh practiced soothsaying, witchcraft, sorcery, and consulted mediums and spiritists. He set a carved image in the house of God, totally, totally disregarding the holy character of the one true God and denying the only saving gospel. If you look at verse 9 of chapter 21, you find God's evaluation of Manasseh. And Manasseh seduced them to do more evil than the nations whom the Lord had destroyed before the children of Israel. Manasseh led God's covenant people into greater sin than the Canaanites whom the Lord had driven from the land. It wasn't until Manasseh was led to Babylon in chains that he humbled himself before God and turned from his evil ways. But by the time Manasseh repented, the damage was already done in the nation. After his death, Ammon, his son, continued in sin. You might expect then that Josiah would walk in the same path as his father Ammon and grandfather Manasseh. But that's not the case. God graciously worked in the life of Josiah, bringing him to a knowledge of the Lord. He sovereignly intervened to set up the standard of righteousness before his people. After the death of his father Ammon, Josiah came to the throne as a boy of only eight years. Now imagine, children, any eight-year-olds here this afternoon? Imagine being a king at only eight years old. For the first few years, he was probably under the guidance of tutors and political advisors. Nevertheless, very early in his life, he stood by his own personal convictions. Chapter 22 opens with these words. Have a look, 22. 
Josiah was eight years old and he began to reign. And he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jedidah, the daughter of Adiah of Boscath. Verse 2, and he did what was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in all the ways of his father David. He did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. The account in 2 Chronicles 34 says that in the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, he began to seek the God of his father David. And in the twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places, the wooden images, carved images, and molded images. When Josiah was still very young, he wanted to serve the Lord. Instead of following his father and grandfather, he sought the God of his father, David. In the eighth year of his reign, when he was just 16 years old, he sought the Lord. At the age of 16, he knew that he could not live as his father had lived. He had to honor the one true God. Often, congregation, isn't it just the other way around? A father might serve the Lord with all diligence, but his son rebels against it. A father may be committed to Christ, fervently committed to Christ, and his son, his son says, I have no interest in Christianity. It's all a bunch of rubbish. But that was not the case here. Josiah became wiser than his father and grandfather when he was only 16. Those of you who are in your teens here this afternoon ought to consider this. Serving God and living for Him is not just for older people. God wants young people. God wants young people to live for Him. He wants young people to seek Him with all their heart. Today, when covenant young people rebel against Christianity and live a life of sin, you will sometimes hear people say that it's a phase that they're going through. It's normal for teenagers to rebel. But brothers and sisters, rebellion against God is sin, whether you're a teenager, a mom, a dad, or a senior. Young people need to live for Jesus Christ and submit their life unreservedly to Him. Of Josiah, we read that he sought the God of David. And as he sought the God of David, he was able to live in such a way that he did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. According to 2 Chronicles 34, by the time he was 20 years old, his commitment to the Lord became very evident. Before he was 20, he was probably under the tutelage of regents. There were those who ruled or assisted in ruling until he came to the age of his majority. But when he reached the age of 20, he possessed full authority to initiate religious reformation. Josiah used his authority for the good of the nation. Drastic measures were needed to cleanse the nation of its idolatry. Josiah was not afraid to take those necessary steps. He began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places and the images. He broke down the altars of the Baals, ground the images into powder, and scattered the dust on the graves of those who had sacrificed to them. 
They also burned the bones of the priests on their altars and executed the priests of Baal. He dared to destroy the very things that his father and grandfather had promoted for the past 50 years. The altar at Bethel that had been erected by Jeroboam I, he also destroyed. For over 300 years, this altar was a place for idolatrous worship. Josiah broke it down and crushed it to powder. Furthermore, when he was 26 years old, in the 18th year of his reign, he sent Shaphan, the scribe, to Hilkiah, the high priest, to see to it that the temple was restored and repaired. The temple had been neglected for many, many years years. Since the time of Joash, some 200 years earlier, the temple had been neglected, especially so during the reign of Manasseh. Josiah not only destroyed what was evil, but he also restored that which was pleasing to God. It was during this time of cleansing and restoration of the temple that a remarkable discovery was made. It was a discovery that had a profound impact upon King Josiah. Hilkiah the priest found the book of the law of the Lord given by Moses. Look with me, please, in your Bibles to verse 8. Then Hilkiah the high priest said to Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan. How is it possible? How is it possible, congregation, that this sacred book of the law was lost? How could it be? How could it be that no one in Judah knew where it was? God had commanded that the law be read at the celebration of every annual feast. He also commanded that the king write for himself a copy of the law so that he may read it all the days of his life. Obviously, those instructions had not been followed for years. Blatant idolatry had prevailed for more than a half a century during the reigns of Manasseh and Ammon. During that time, the righteous were even persecuted. Manasseh plunged the nation into idolatry more than any other king since Ahab and his deceitful wife Jezebel. Those who didn't conform were persecuted. 2 Kings 21 says of Manasseh that he shed very much innocent blood till he had filled Jerusalem from one end to the other. Those who protested his godless deeds were simply slain. The prophets who confronted him were put to death. Their blood ran in the streets of Jerusalem. We're not absolutely sure, but tradition attributes the martyrdom of Isaiah to King Manasseh. It therefore seems reasonable to conclude that Manasseh was largely responsible for the disappearance of the law of Moses. It could even be that he destroyed all the copies of the law that were in circulation in Judah. This particular copy was preserved somewhere in the temple, forgotten and covered with dust. Even Hilkiah the priest didn't know that it was there. It is astonishing to consider that for all those many years, God's covenant people were without the book of the covenant. The church was without the Bible, or at least part of the Bible. 
Apparently, some of the basic principles of the law were preserved through godly men. Otherwise, Josiah would not have been able to begin his reforms prior to the rediscovery of the law. There may have been some priests and elders who provided Josiah with some oral instruction that had been preserved, but the rest of the law had been forgotten for decades. Just exactly what is meant in verse 8 by the book of the law is uncertain. It could be that Hilkiah found the Pentateuch, the five books of Moses, or it could also be the book of Deuteronomy. Whatever the case, God's people were totally ignorant of much of its contents. They had been so immersed in the idolatrous ways of Manasseh and Ammon that most of the nation no longer remembered the word of God. Brothers and sisters, what a sad commentary on the church. They were ignorant of the will of God. Their Bible, or at least part of their Bible, was missing, and no one seemed to notice. They had been so firmly rooted in pagan ways that they had little knowledge of God's word. What about the church today? What about the church today? We have many copies of God's Word. There's certainly no shortage in the churches of our land. Yet with all the many copies in circulation, it seems as though the majority of them are forgotten in a dark corner covered with dust. Even with all our copies of Scripture, there seems to be a tremendous ignorance today of the character of God, the will of God, and the requirements of God. The people of Judah were ignorant because they had lost the book of the law. Many people today have the scriptures, but don't bother to read them. The result is the same. The prophet Hosea said, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I also will reject you. Because you have forgotten the law of your God, I also will forget your children. Likewise, the prophet Isaiah said, My people have gone into captivity because they have no knowledge. What we need today in our nation is also a rediscovery of the word so that we may know how to walk faithfully before our God. As a church, we need to take the scriptures seriously. They must be central in our worship and life. There are many things, there are many things that tend to distract us and keep us preoccupied so that more and more the Word of God becomes a hidden book. Satan has many clever strategies to keep you from the Word. If he can keep you from it, he has you exactly where he wants you. By the grace of God, Hilkiah found the book of the law. The rediscovery of the law led to, number two, the reading of the law. Point number two, the reading of the law. Shaphan the scribe brought the book to the king. Verse 10 says, have a look there. Verse 10 says, then Shaphan the scribe showed the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book, and Shaphan read it before the king. What an incredible moment that must have been as Shaphan began to read. This was the first reading of the law in decades. Josiah was 26 years old, and he had never heard the reading of the law. 
Had his father and grandfather been faithful, Josiah would have had his own copy for personal study and reflection. But because they were not faithful, he had not so much as seen a copy. For the first time in his life, he was confronted by the righteous and holy character of God as he is revealed in the Word. Imagine, congregation, as a Christian, never having heard the book of Romans or the book of Ephesians or the book of Galatians, and one day someone reads them to you. He comes to you and begins to read, never having heard them read before. I'm sure you would listen with rapt attention. So it must have been for King Josiah. I'm sure he listened very closely. He was, after all, a God-fearing king. He did what was right in the sight of the Lord. Already when he was young, he sought the God of his father, David. What went through the king's mind as Shaphan read to him? What were his thoughts? Brothers and sisters, Josiah was deeply convicted. He came to a far greater awareness of, of his sin and misery as well as the nation's sin and misery. He realized even more that they had not been loving the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, and mind. They had fallen far short of God's perfect standard. His father and grandfather had done all that they could to remove the knowledge of God and his righteous requirements from the land. Through the reading of the law, God shone the light upon the darkness of Israel's religious life, producing conviction of sin. In verses 11 to 13, we see his response to the law. First of all, Josiah gave a visible demonstration of distress and sorrow for sin. Look at verse 11. Now it happened when the king heard the words of the book of the law that he tore his clothes. Josiah immediately recognized the nation's failure and the tearing of his clothes was a sign of sorrow and repentance. The situation brings to mind the occasion when, you'll recall, when Jonah went to Nineveh and proclaimed, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. As a result of his preaching, the people believed God, proclaimed a fast, and put on sackcloth. Even the king of Nineveh got off his throne, laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. You see, congregation, when the word of God brings conviction of sin, there is always sorrow and grief. You remember when Nehemiah went back to Jerusalem to rebuild the city walls, after the wall was finished, they called together this great assembly. Ezra the scribe was told to bring the book of the law of Moses. He read from the book for five to six hours. You think our services are long. Five to six hours while the people stood listening attentively. And at the end of that assembly, we read in Nehemiah 8 that the people wept when they heard the words of the law. They wept because they were convicted of their sin. Through the reading and the explanation of the word, they came to see that they were guilty. In Romans 3.20, the apostle said, By the law is the knowledge of sin. The word showed them what they really were. 
It was like someone that held a mirror before them that showed them all their filth. They were struck by the seriousness of God's demands and by their own failure to meet those demands. Well, so it was also for King Josiah. Having heard the words of the law, he tore his clothes as a sign of distress and sorrow for sin. Congregation, has the word of God ever had that effect on you? As the word is read and proclaimed, have you ever been overwhelmed by your own depravity, your own unworthiness? Has there ever been a time in your life where the word convicted you to such an extent that all you could do was cry out with the tax collector, God, be merciful to me, a sinner? Has your sin ever caused you to cry out to God in that manner? Have you ever taken a good look at yourself in the mirror? Aren't there times when we ought to mourn? So many ways that we offend our Lord. When that is brought to our attention through the word and there is genuine repentance, doesn't it sometimes produce weeping? God's children throughout the ages have testified to that. By the law comes the knowledge of sin. Josiah saw his sin and the sin of the people, and his response to the word was pleasing in the sight of God. Look with me, please, in your Bibles to verses 19 and 20. Because your heart was tender... And you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I spoke against this place and against its inhabitants, that they would become a desolation and a curse. And you tore your clothes and wept before me. I also have heard you, says the Lord. Verse 20, surely therefore I will gather you to your fathers and you shall be gathered to your grave in peace and your eyes shall not see all the calamity which I will bring on this place. Notice what the Lord commended Josiah for in verse 19. First, his heart was tender. He had a sensitive conscience. Second, he humbled himself under the word. Third, he tore his clothes. And fourth, he wept before God. Scripture says the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. Psalm 51. The Lord was pleased with the contrite heart of Josiah, that he would also be pleased with you, congregation, when you humble yourself under the word and repent before him. So Josiah's response to the law was, first of all, a visible demonstration of distress and sorrow for sin. And then secondly, he also responded by commanding that further inquiry be made of the Lord. By commanding that further inquiry be made of the Lord. The king appointed five men and told them in verse 13, go. 
Inquire of the Lord for me, for the people, and for all Judah concerning the words of this book that has been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is aroused against us because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book to do according to all that is written concerning us. After hearing the law, Josiah came to the solemn realization that the Lord's wrath was kindled against those who were not faithful to the ordinances contained therein. Perhaps for the first time in his life, perhaps for the first time in his life, he heard about the curses of the covenant that would fall upon the the, the disobedient and unbelieving. Having come to an awareness of the wrath of God, Josiah's question was, what now? What now? What shall we do? Great is the wrath of the Lord. The five men appointed by Josiah went to a certain prophetess named Huldah to inquire of the Lord. We know very little about this woman. She must have been someone who was exceptionally devoted to the Lord as Deborah was at the time of the judges and as Anna in the temple at the birth of our Lord. Huldah had a very unpleasant message for the king and the nation. Look at verse 16. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will bring calamity on this place and on its inhabitants. All the words of the book which the king of Judah has read, because they have forsaken me and burned incense to other gods, that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands. Therefore, my wrath shall be aroused against this place and shall not be quenched. The course of Judah was fixed. There was nothing that could avert the coming judgment. It was too late. Judah would be destroyed and Jerusalem would be overtaken. The words of the book spoken in verse 16 are probably the curses found in Leviticus 26 and Deuteronomy 28. In those chapters, the Lord set forth the consequences of unbelief. Judah would soon reap what she had sown. The only good news was that the curses of the covenant would not come into effect during the life of Josiah. Because he had humbled himself before God, he would not experience the disaster which the Lord would visit upon the nation. He would be buried in peace. The nation of Judah, however, would not escape. Josiah could not deliver them. He was the great reformer of Judah, but he could not save the people from the approaching judgment. Nevertheless, during the remaining 13 years of his reign, he pressed on with the reformation of Judah with determination unmatched by any king before or after him. He labored to purge the land and restore true worship. Now, congregation, it was during these 13 years of reformation that the prophet Ezekiel was raised. He was born in the same year that the book of the law was found. He was 13 years old when King Josiah was killed in battle by the king of Egypt. For the first 13 years of his life, Ezekiel had the special privilege of living under the rule of a God-fearing king. 
In all probability, he heard the preaching of the prophet Jeremiah who began his ministry during the reign of King Josiah. Some commentators even think that Jeremiah was Ezekiel's mentor, his teacher. And so Ezekiel had the benefit of growing up during a time of revival and renewal. Unfortunately, however, those golden years came to an end with the death of Josiah. We will see next Lord's Day, the Lord willing, that only four years after Josiah's death, Nebuchadnezzar invaded Judah, took the city of Jerusalem, and led a group of captives back to Babylon. Ezekiel was not among those first captives. He was allowed to remain in Judah, but he knew that dark clouds were rolling in. Judgments, God's judgments were coming upon his people. The curses of the covenant would be unleashed. Twelve years after the death of Josiah, there was a second invasion of Judah. This time, Ezekiel, as Daniel before him, was led away into captivity. As he sat among the captives by the rivers of Babylon, no doubt he thought back with fondness upon the reign of Josiah. But congregation, it is evident from the book of Ezekiel that during his years in Babylon, Ezekiel saw his need for one who is greater than Josiah. Josiah was not able to save his people. He was able to bring about some external reformation, but he was not able to save his people from the wrath of God. One greater than Josiah had to come. Brothers and sisters, thank the Lord that he has come. Through the line of Josiah, the greatest of all kings was born. You can find Josiah's name in the genealogy recorded in Matthew 1, leading up to Jesus Christ. Jesus came so that he might bear the curse of the law for the sake of his people. He also came to live a perfectly righteous life for the sake of his people. He fully met the requirements of the law in every detail. He delighted in doing the will of his Father. This is what the people of Judah needed. This is what Josiah needed. This is what Ezekiel needed. And brothers and sisters, this is also what you need today. When the scriptures condemn you for your sin, you need to flee to Jesus Christ. When the law of God points out your guilt, when the word teaches you that you have provoked the Lord to anger, when you realize that you deserve the unquenchable wrath of God, you need to flee to Jesus. This table before you it reminds us that he bore the curse of the covenant for you. He was cursed so that you could be blessed. He redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. And so I close this afternoon by asking you, is your trust in him, the great descendant of Josiah, 
Do the demands and requirements of the law drive you closer to him? Congregation like the nation of Judah, we deserve the wrath of God, eternal captivity. We deserve to be forever banished from his loving presence. But when we repent, we may be assured that the curse of the law will not fall upon us, for it has fallen upon Jesus. He is the only way of escape from the just curse of God. Then do not look to anyone else but to Christ alone. Look to Christ. Let us pray. Lord, our God, as we are about to come to this table, we thank you that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. We thank you that your righteous wrath has been turned aside through the Lord Jesus Christ, that propitiation has been made. Thank you that we may come, Lord, knowing that although we are failures, although we are sinners, although we are covenant breakers, we come in the name and through the blood of the one who was cursed in our place, Jesus Christ. Strengthen us in our faith as we come to this table. Pray, Lord, that if there's anyone here today who is convicted of their sin, that they may find their answer in Jesus alone. Accept our praise. We come before you as broken sinners who can alone Find restoration in your beloved Son. So having received his righteousness, we can call upon you as sons and daughters of the King. Bless us, Lord, as we receive this bread, as we take this wine, that we may do so in full confidence that the great descendant of Josiah, the King of kings and the Lord of lords.